Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Wednesday, April 26th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Taylor Massetta. And I'm Maya Sargent. Let's see what's what in the city. The New York City Fire Department is collaborating with food delivery apps, including Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. The delivery companies are donating funds to the FDNY Foundation to improve awareness and education around lithium-ion batteries. The organizations will work together to discuss how best to reduce fires caused by these batteries. The Committee on Parks and Recreation is trying to make swimming more accessible for New Yorkers. Today, City Council members are discussing new legislation that would help bring more swimming pools to neighborhoods across the city. Councilmember Julie Menon is also sponsoring a new bill that will offer free swimming lessons to children 13 and under. Lastly, City Council is discussing legislation that would require the Department of Parks and Recreation to submit an annual breakdown of emergencies, lifeguard recruitment and closures. Tomorrow is National Bring a Kid to Work Day, and New Jersey Transit is celebrating by offering travelers the opportunity to ride with their children for free. Each fee-paying adult can bring up to two children under 18 on board, and you don't need any additional tickets to enjoy this offer. New Jersey Transit President and CEO Kevin S. Corbett says they want to encourage children to use public transportation and maybe even consider it as a career in the future. And today we are joined by WFUV's Grace Galbraith, who's here to tell us about Denim Day that's being celebrated across the U.S., which I'd never even heard of before. So, Grace, what is Denim Day? National Denim Day is held on the last Wednesday of April because April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Basically, in the 90s, the Italian Supreme Court overturned a rape conviction because the justices thought the victim's tight jeans implied consent. Today, the annual campaign encourages allies and survivors to wear jeans to combat victim blaming. So how's New York recognizing Denim Day? Today, New York City residents rallied in solidarity at various landmarks across the city hoping to raise awareness about Denim Day and show support for sexual violence survivors. You can find out more about New York City's Denim Day campaign at www.denimday.nyc. Sounds like such a great initiative to spread awareness. I just wish I was wearing jeans today. Thank you so much for being here, Grace. Toy company Mattel has debuted its newest member of the Barbie Fashionista line. That's right, Taylor. They're releasing a Barbie with Down syndrome to continue providing kids with a diverse and inclusive range of dolls. Mattel partnered with the National Down Syndrome Society to ensure accurate representation. The doll wears a yellow and blue dress covered with butterflies, which represents Down Syndrome awareness. The Barbie also has a necklace displaying a pink charm with three arrows. This symbolizes the additional chromosome that causes Down Syndrome. Not only does the charm symbolize the additional chromosome, but it's also an emblem of a unified community. New York City is gearing up for its season of summer events. WFUV's Rosie Lenz has more on what's coming up in the music scene. New York City's Summer Stage Series is returning to parks throughout the five boroughs this June. This week, the Capital One City Parks Foundation announced the 2023 lineup. While most of the shows are free to attend, this series will also feature benefit performances. The proceeds fund next year's free concerts. I sat down with Executive Artistic Director Erica Elliott to talk about this year's lineup, inclusivity in the performances, 
and how to attend the shows. This is a season that is really reflective of New York City. Um, and to do that well, and I think we do it amazingly, um, means that we really take a lot of input and care deeply and locally about what we put on our stages. Erica hopes that the festival offers a place where everyone is welcome and where diversity in music, community, and culture can be celebrated. You know, New York is such an important space for creation of music and culture. We're really thinking about the artists that are living and working there now um, or the stories that are really reflective of those neighborhoods. You can catch opening night on June 10th in Central Park. St. Paul and the Broken Bones will be headlining the event, and you'll even get the chance to hear DJ sets from WFUV's own Alisa Ali. More information about this year's lineup and schedule can be found on their social media pages or on their website, www.summerstage.org. With WFUV News, I'm Rosie Lenz. George Michael could be the next name inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame will tally a fan vote alongside industry insiders' ballots to choose 2023's five inductees. Michael leads the way with just under one million votes. Cindy Lauper, Warren Zevon, Iron Maiden, and Soundgarden currently round out the top five. To place your vote for this year's inductees, visit vote.rockhall.com. You can choose five nominees daily. The poll wraps up on April 28th. And in some light entertainment history for you, today in 1990, Nirvana made a memorable appearance at the Pyramid Club in New York City. The band ended their show by angrily smashing their equipment on stage. They were frustrated with the show's poor sound quality. The iconic Pyramid Club in the East Village closed for good last year after facing challenges during the pandemic. WFUV's Community Dialogues is a program for frank discussion about race, racism, and racial justice. In this episode, WFUV's Jaya Joyce sat down with Luis Trinchet, Chief Housing Officer at the Acacia Network, one of the largest Hispanic-led nonprofits in New York. They discussed the organization's affordable housing portfolio and Governor Hochul's plan. Acacia, on the affordable housing side, emphasizes primarily supportive housing and everything everything that is affordable. We have a, a transitional housing portfolio as well, but mainly we're talking about between joint ventures and 100% owned properties, etc. We're talking about 4,000 units of affordable housing. As a provider of affordable housing, I know that Acacia applauded Governor Hochul's plan to create 800,000 new homes, but is urging the governor not to abandon the current affordable housing stock. Why is this? That, that was a great point. And uh, the reason being that many of the buildings, they are they have aged. It's as simple as that. And then, as you very well know, operating expenses for, for these buildings are, are just through the roof. So since a decent portion of this affordable housing stock in New York City is managed by nonprofits, how do these organizations like Acacia pay for these projects? Well, that's, that's, uh, that's a, critical, a, a critical aspect. The financing side of it is, is an adventure, to say the least. So a few options. Uh, if the buildings have reserves available, operating reserves, replacement reserves, etc., that is one funding source for these uh, repairs and, and maintenance in every development. The other thing is going through the council members, looking for resume funding sources. The other thing is exploring refinancing options in many in many of the uh, tax credit projects that we may have. Talking to talking to investors, uh, conversations with the uh, the public agencies. 
Could we get additional rent? Could we have the existing rent increased uh, depending on the program that the project is participating in? So the, the way to look at this is, is very simple. On, on one side is the revenue, on the other hand is, is the expense. So the revenue is essentially rent, either from the tenant or any commercial space that the buildings may have. So increasing rent, that is one option. And on the operating side, which is perhaps the most uh, critical one, because once you build, you have extremely long compliance periods. We're talking about 30 to 50 years uh, that the projects must be operating. So we need, we need an operating subsidy. That is simply crucial in order for these projects to maintain its, uh, their financial viability. And I know you touched on this already, but what is the state of New York City's current affordable housing stock? It's, 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 I needs, we need more housing. It's, I, we completely agree with that. And the other thing is we need to repair the existing housing. Most of the repairs, we're talking about facades. We're talking about old elevators that are constantly breaking down. We are talking about the roofs. We are talking about uh, uh, turning units over. Uh, just to give you an idea, in some cases, one unit, one unit, uh, it would cost between thirty to forty thousand dollars to turn it over. And he, when you look at the rent side of it, you are charging what six hundred, eight hundred dollars uh, per month. Uh, how long will it take in order for that unit to be profitable? So that that math is the one that we need to be doing on a daily basis in order to make sure that these these projects are viable both both to the landlord and of course to the tenant who is the ultimate beneficiary in each in each one of these developments one thing that i i believe that we need to do is simplify for instance in new york both at the city level and the state level there is a barrage of funding sources for construction uh, however these programs are completely misaligned. So we need to align the objectives, the requirements, the timelines in each of the programs. Another thing will be just to reduce the number of programs. So simplification, uh, eliminating the red tape, eliminating the bureaucracy, etc., and reducing the number of programs, both on the construction side and on the operating side, I would say this is fundamental. That was WFEV's Jaya Joyce talking with Luis Trinchet from the Acacia Network. And that's our show for today. I'm Maya Sargent. And I'm Taylor Massetta. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, and culture. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.